At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Scotch has been the undisputed heavyweight champion of the whiskey world for centuries, but bourbon's popularity is exploding. I frequently get asked, what's the difference between bourbon and scotch? And if you want to hear about it, then stick around. So before we get started, I'd like to thank all of our Patreon members. We couldn't do this without you. Um, and, and we really love it for those people who want to donate to the cause on a monthly basis. But we don't want you to see it as just a donation. We have a lot of member benefits. We have bonus content, special offers, distillery takeovers, barrel picks, in-person meetups, monthly virtual bottle shares, discounts on merch. Uh, we also have the Patreon coin for the collector tier, and you get the satisfaction of knowing that you're supporting the channel and its mission. So if you're not a Patreon supporter, I'd love for you to consider it. Head on over to Patreon or click the link in the description below. Now, let's get into disclaimers. Even if you know the difference between bourbon and scotch, you're going to learn a lot if you watch this episode because we're going to get into some history and we're going to talk about some information that every whiskey lover should possess. Uh, also, to make the discussion easier, we're going to talk about single malt scotch uh, since it's the most narrowly defined scotch. Uh, to compare it to the narrow definition of bourbon. Uh, plus, single malt scotch is the most popular version uh, for enthusiasts in the United States, where most of our viewers are. So, uh, we also like to say that we love all whiskey drinkers, but being from the US, uh, we are per partial to bourbon. Um, and if we make any references to bourbon being better than other whiskeys, it's just due to our personal opinion and our affinity for our native country and not a reflection of how we feel about people from other countries or uh, people who have different drinking preferences. So let's get into some terminology. So first off, you need to know that alcohol has categories that are defined in various countries by what's called their standards of identity. And some of the time, the terms that are laid out in the standards of identity are protected by treaties between different countries. And that's going to become significant as we get deeper into this discussion. So the first thing that you need to understand is that there are some broad categories for alcohol, um, and it'll help you to wrap your head around this discussion. So uh, a wine is a product that comes from fermenting fruit. And most of us think of wine from fermenting grapes, but you can actually ferment any fruit and it is a wine. A beer is a product that comes from fermenting grain. Um, and when we think of beer, a lot of people think of like hops and things like that. Uh, but if you ferment any grain, the product is legally a beer. If you take a wine and you distill it, you have made brandy. And if you take a beer and you distill it, you have made whiskey. Um, so whiskey is kind of the top line category uh, and bourbon is a subcategory of whiskey. So all bourbon is whiskey, but not all whiskey is bourbon. So let's talk about a brief history. So the first thing that you need to know is that whiskey's first uh, usage in writing came from 1405 when there was 
basically a, a, a secretary that was taking notes from a Klansman meeting in Ireland. And one of the Klansmen drank whiskey until he died. And that is the first reference that we have to whiskey in written history. Uh, there are two main styles of distilling equipment uh, to make whiskey. And uh, one is called a column still, uh, also referred to as a continuous still. And in a column still, the beer uh, from fermenting the grain comes in the top and the alcohol is separated out of that before it makes it down to the bottom. Uh, the other type of distilling equipment is a pot still. And a pot still runs in sessions and can't be run continuously. And it has a large basin at the bottom uh, that is filled before the distillation run starts. And so it runs in sessions. Um, and that's gonna become significant in discussing the difference between bourbons and scotch. Uh, the precursor to the column still was called a coffee still, and it was invented by Anias Coffee in 1830 in Ireland, but Ireland did not adopt the technology before it caught on in Scotland. And because it is a much more efficient way to produce whiskey, uh, this technology allowed Scotland to produce large quantities of whiskey to not only service the locals, but also enough to start shipping to drinkers around the world. And that plays heavily into our discussion. Uh, you also need to know that the US whiskey industry was shut down twice, once in 1919 by the passage of prohibition, which outlawed the consumption of alcohol in the US until 1933 when it was overturned. And then again, a second time the distillery industry was shut down uh, when they were conscripted into providing materials for the World War II effort. And both of those timeframes allowed Scotland uh, to take over the world's uh, whiskey market. So the U.S. is just now starting to penetrate international markets in a major way. Um, and so now people are starting to have to uh, learn the difference between scotch and bourbon. So uh, what is the difference between scotch and bourbon? So first off, scotch must be made in Scotland and bourbon must be made in the United States. And both of these terms are protected by treaties between their home country and countries all around the world. So if somebody from another country wants to make something and call it bourbon, uh, the treaties that we have in place would prevent that product from being sold in any of the countries that we have a treaty with. Um, and so there are some examples out there of people making a bourbon whiskey that is not made in the United States, but it can't be sold here in the U.S. and in many other countries. And I'm sure the same is true of scotch. Uh, so you also need to know single malt scotch must be made from 100% malted barley. Um, that's not the, the, the case with just the general category of scotch, but remember we're focused on single malt scotch. It has to be 100% malted barley. And malted barley is uh, what happens when you take the barley grain and you wet it with water to trick it into thinking it's going to germinate and grow into a plant. It releases enzymes that are built into the grain and it converts the starches. Um, and the, the reason why we got to convert the starches is that yeast can't eat starch and turn it into alcohol. And it converts those starches into simple sugars, which the yeast can eat. Uh, bourbon, on the other hand, is made from at least 51% corn, but typical, typical bourbons are usually closer to 80% corn. Um, and the remainder of the mash bill, and when we talk about mash bills, that is the percentage of the various grains that go into making up that mash that gets turned into beer and later distilled into whiskey. 
but uh, the, the remainder of the mash bill uh, could be any grain, but typically is either rye or wheat, and it typically also includes five to 15% of malted barley, the grain that makes up 100% of single malt scotch. Um, so there's definitely a difference in the grains. Um, the malted barley used in scotch would typically, typically be crushed in a roller mill. So imagine two rollers that are turning and there's only so much space in between them and you put the grain on top and the grain gets grabbed by the rollers and pushed through and the grain slightly larger than the space between the two rollers and it crushes it. Whereas uh, bourbon is typically pulverized into a flour using a hammer mill. And a hammer mill looks very similar to a garbage disposal. It spins and then there's free uh, floating things that spin around as well. And they drop the grain in there and the hammers just hammer it until it turns into a fine grain. Uh, that finer grain material aids the process in converting the non-malted barley portion of the bourbon mash bill um, so that it can convert those starches into simple sugars before fermentation because we need a greater surface area with the corn and the rye and the wheat um, than we do with the malted barley. And the enzymes needed to convert those starches uh, come from the malted barley grain, which is why most bourbons include malted barley because malted barley happens to have enough of the enzyme to not only convert its own starches, but also convert the starches of the other grains that are in that mash bill. Uh, but if a bourbon has less than 12% malted barley, they may have to add commercial enzymes into the process to convert all of the sugars. What's the name of one of the best craft whiskeys in the United States? Frey Ranch. What makes Frey Ranch worthy of that high praise? First off, they're one of the nation's only farm to glass distilleries. That means they grow everything on site that goes into the whiskey. Before the founders Colby and Ashley Frey even started distilling, they knew they were growing really high quality grain on the farm and wanted a way to share it with the world. Having a passion for farming and spirits, they thought what better way to showcase their grains than to make it into whiskey? Virtually every whiskey you've ever heard of, they can't say that. They even malt their own barley on site. If you know anything about malted barley, a key grain in nearly every whiskey recipe, you know that almost no distillery can make that claim. You might be thinking, but I've tried craft whiskey and I don't like it. Most craft distilleries make whiskey on a pot still. This means the more efficient they try to get in their process, the more the grain solids get burned in the pot, which makes the whiskey taste like over-roasted coffee beans. Plus, pot stills leave in more flavor compounds and oils than traditional column still whiskey. All the whiskey you love from Kentucky is made on a column still where the grain solids never come in contact with the heat source. Frey Ranch had one of the world's first Vendome systems built that does the first distillation run on a column still, but does the finishing run on a pot still. This gives them the control of a pot still without the overwhelming flavors. This is why Frey Ranch is bolder than most, but with none of the off-putting flavors you might have experienced in the past with other craft whiskeys. They have no whiskey less than four years old, with most of the products at five plus years. That is a lot of age for the wild temperature swings that you see in Nevada versus the mild change that they have in Kentucky. If you want to experience well-made, bold craft whiskey, at Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker. 
engineering your success. With a legacy as American as apple pie, go to the description and click the link. Please use the link so they know that we sent you. When you click the link, you're going to see that they're available to ship in 30 plus states. They're also available in stores and bars near you in Nevada, California, Arizona, Ohio, and Georgia. And the best of all, they're coming to stores in Texas very soon. Cheers. Another difference is the way that it is cooked. So after they have milled the grain and they add water, they put it in uh, a cooker. And uh, prior to fermentation, this is typically done in Scotland in what's called a mash tun. Um, and in the United States for bourbon, it is done typically in what's called a cereal cooker. And the difference being a mash tun has a false bottom that looks kind of like a colander and the holes are smaller than the crushed grain um, that are in that process. And they're able to strain out the grain solids um, before the, the mash leaves the cereal cooker or leaves the mash tun. Whereas with bourbon, all of those grain solids from that flour continues through the process and makes its way all the way through the still. So it's not, the alcohol is not separated from the grain solids until it's in the still. Whereas with scotch, the, um, the sugary liquid is removed from the grain solids uh, before they even go into uh, fermentation. So both scotch and bourbon can be distilled on a pot still or a column still, but almost all high-end bourbons are made on a column still. And as we discussed, we're only talking about single malt scotch. They have to be made on a pot still to be considered single malt. And so there's a major difference in the distillation uh, technology that's used uh, for both of these whiskeys. Scotch can be distilled up to 94.8% ethanol, uh, but bourbon can only be distilled up to 80%. Although those are the legal definitions, both are typically distilled between 65 and 75% ethanol so that they preserve more of the flavor compounds that come from the grain. So in that regard, they're you know pretty similar. Uh, scotch must be matured only in oak cask of a capacity not to exceed 700 liters, um, which is uh, quite a bit larger than the standard bourbon barrel. Uh, but bourbon must be aged in a new charred oak, quote unquote, container. It doesn't say it has to be a cask or a barrel. And there's no uh, restriction for bourbon on, or there's no uh, restriction uh, on used or new oak cask for scotch. And so in Scotland, you're able to make your whiskey and put it in a barrel that used to have, you know, something else in it like port or sherry or whatever. But in the United States, it has to be a first fill barrel. Um, and in the United States, there's no size restrictions for the barrel. You could have a barrel that was larger than 700 liters, although the standard barrel size is roughly 53 gallons. Um, it also doesn't have to be a barrel in the U.S., although um, it, even though it says container, um, I don't know of any whiskey producers that are using anything but a barrel. But it would be possible for somebody to age their bourbon in some sort of an oak box or something like that. Um, I've been told the reason why we only use barrels is because uh, all other shapes would require metal fasteners and metal when it comes in contact with aging whiskey 
does not do well the chemical reaction can damage the whiskey so we typically only use barrels although it's not required in the code um, single malt scotch must be aged at least three years in Scotland which is a big difference bourbon has no age length requirement um, but it must be at least two years old if they're gonna label it as a straight bourbon and it has to be uh, if it's if the aging is less than four years old you have to have an age statement somewhere on the label so that consumers know what it is they're actually purchasing um, and and there is no requirement in federal law that the aging of bourbon take place in the United States so for scotch, it has to be aged in Scotland for at least three years. Uh, but for bourbon, it could be aged literally anywhere as long as it was manufactured here. Um, and there's no length of time required for you to put bourbon on the label as long as you follow the rest of the requirements. Uh, single malt scotch must come from one distillery, uh, but the generic category of uh, bourbon has uh as opposed to like straight bourbon um or bottled and bond it doesn't have any requirements for which distilleries it can come from if it's a straight bourbon it can only come from one state but it could come from an infinite number of distilleries that were in that state and if it's bottled and bond bottled and bonds requirements are very similar to single malt scotch and that it can only come from one distillery and then only in one distilling season um, so that is a, a, a difference between bourbon and scotch. Uh, both whiskeys most must be bottled at or above 80 proof because that's the general definition for whiskey uh, in both Scotland and in the United States. I know that New Zealand allows whiskeys to be bottled below 80 proof, but for the most part, uh, most of the world requires a whiskey to be at least 80 proof by their definition. Uh, but typical premium bourbons are higher proof than premium scotches. That has historically been true, although some of that's changing now. You're starting to see some premium scotches come out that are cash strength and things like that. But the cash strength uh, scotches don't get nearly as high as the cash strength bourbons that come out of Kentucky because the aging environment is so much different. So typically, a bourbon's gonna be a higher proof product than a scotch on average. Uh, scotch can have caramel coloring added uh, but bourbon must be unadulterated. And so it is possible that you are getting some additives in your whiskey if you're buying a, a single malt scotch, um, but that would not be possible with bourbon unless somebody's literally breaking the law. But as far as I know, those are the main differences between bourbon and scotch. Um, scotch also occasionally has a process uh, that adds a very smoky flavor to it, uh, which is called peating and uh, they take peat moss from marsh bogs and when they are uh, malting that barley and they get it wet and it starts to germinate, they have to dry it out so it doesn't continue to grow into a plant. And because of the clearing of the forest by the Vikings in Scotland a long, long time ago, they didn't have wood sources to use wood to dry out their malted barley. But what they did have was this flammable mud that was coming out of marsh bogs called peat. And it was a common practice and still is a common practice for them to use uh, this heating source, which throws off a dark black smoke and that smoke coats the grains and that flavor ends up getting into your scotch. I have done research to figure out what percentage of scotch has been treated with peat 
and what percentage has not. And I cannot find a solid answer, um, but that is another major difference between scotch and bourbon. So hopefully that makes everything as clear as mud. I hope this was enjoyable and informative for you. If this is your first time watching the show, I'd love to thank you for the view and also let you know a little bit about our show philosophy. We are all about bringing people together around brown spirits, whether it be scotch or bourbon. And that's something that's important to me because I lost my brother to suicide in 2014. And in the aftermath of that and trying to figure out, you know, what led to him making that decision, I realized that he had lost the sense of community from the world around him. And I started to see the connective power of whiskey and how it brings people together all around the world, different ideological views, it crosses all boundaries. And I thought, maybe if I had a podcast like this and I hope you get connected to whiskey, the whiskey would do the rest of the job and get you connected to others so that nobody feels alone the way that my brother did when he made that decision. Um, but when, when looking to build community, I looked into the online whiskey enthusiast world and I did see kind of a negative side to it. And, and that's the whiskey trolls and whiskey trolls are usually, uh, individuals in my opinion that are struggling with some self-worth issues and they deal with it by trying to make other people feel small and make themselves seem important and big. And they, they say hateful things to strangers online. And seeing that made us realize that we needed to start Bourbon Real Talk Community, which is a free Facebook-based whiskey forum. And in there, we don't allow any troll behavior. And we have truly formed a community there. It's not just a whiskey forum. Um, people are literally living their lives together there. And uh, that, that's been a tremendous boon uh, for us. But in addition to all of that, um, seeing those hateful people online made me realize that if those people can hate you online, there's nothing that stops me from loving you online. And that's why I end every podcast the same way. And that's this. If you woke up this morning and you were unsure whether or not anyone loved you, just know that I love you. And I'll see you next time on Bourbon Real Talk. Is he saying, oh, Lord? Oh, Lord. Or is he saying, hold on? Hold on. Oh, that's a good question. I don't I know. It's Lord. I think it's a Lord. I've always said, oh, Lord. Yeah. You know? When something's coming in the air and you can feel it, you're like, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Right? You no, know, it's normal. Yeah. Listen, I drink and I know things. So, <laughs> I hope you're ready because I'm about to drop some knowledge on your ass. Okay.